welcome again as we join together to this worship our God and give him praise. We just want to just invite you to join together with us as we worship, as we praise God, as we get around his word. I want to just maybe read a portion of scripture as we begin to start off. Second Chronicles chapter 28 verse 22. It says, in, in the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord. And this is the same of King Ahaz. The Bible says, in the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord. There's something about a crisis, something about a storm that reveals your true character. In, in essence, when we go through this uh, study on Ahaz the king, we know that in the time of the darkest moments of his leadership, the Bible says he, be, he became more faithless. I pray that we would not be like Ahaz. In the times of our crisis, in the darkest moments of our lives, may we cleave to God more. May we cling to God more. May, may our faith increase more. And I want you to, to see that how sometimes when we begin, when we don't turn towards the Lord, our, how everything can get affected when we begin to behave negatively. But today, this is my encouragement. Cling to the Lord. Don't lose your faith. Amen. This begin to just fall more and more in love with Him. Begin to just press into God more than you've ever pressed into God before. Things are about to change. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Father, in the hour of testing, let it be said of us that our faith in you increased. Let it be said of us, O oh God, our joy was abundant. Our hope was abundant in our God. We know you're coming through, O oh God. So for everyone that is going through a difficult period in their life, come through for them. Show up on their behalf. Show yourself as the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or even imagine. We bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Join together with us. We're going to just worship the Lord just for a little while and then we're going to just get into the word of the Lord. Amen. God bless. I'm gonna see 
Still in your hands, 
he became more faithless and this is a dangerous thing the dangerous thing here that happened was that as he lost his faith as he became more under pressure he lost his faith and when he lost his faith this is what Ahaz did in verse 24 and Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut into pieces the vessels of the house of God and then he shut up the doors to the house of the Lord and he made himself altars between in every corner of Jerusalem look at what he did when he when when a people lose faith this is what they they devalue that which was belongs to the Lord the Bible says he he takes the vessels that were used for worship and in the in the temple and he begins to break it and cut it into pieces not only does he do that but he shuts the doors to the house of the Lord now this is important for us to understand how do we react in the time of crisis is very important because if you don't have your faith in God the first thing you would attack is every symbol of faith and I want you to understand today this is an indication of even present-day leadership when we are not sure how to respond and when our faith is shaken the first things that is neglected is the house of the Lord the first thing that is neglected is the is the thing or, or the kingdom purposes is the first thing that is neglected the Bible says he's destroyed the vessels he shuts the doors and then look at what he does he goes and he wrecks his own altars the thing that Ahaz did was he brought in a spirit of idolatry a while ago. The people went, and when God was angered against it, people went into captivity. And when they were restored from captivity, and it was not through his hands, but through the hands of the prophet Oded, he, he comes in and he tries to sell Israel to the highest bidder. He tries to buy favor from the Syrians and other, other enemies of Israel so that he can overcome a greater enemy. And the reality was he loses the kingdom. The amazing thing is that when Ahaz dies, he's not buried with the rest of the kings of Israel. Now this was a very powerful statement because it said that they didn't consider him a good leader. To be buried amongst those that served Israel well. Now this is important for us to also begin to learn. Everything rises and falls around leadership. And leaders have to have a heart of a reformer. They have to have a spirit of a reformer. Know how to bring in change. And know how to bring in God's people. And know how to access the throne room of God. And bring in grace that will be able to transform people in a particular time. So this sets the platform for, for, for Hezekiah, his own son, that will come in, in 2 Chronicles 29. And I want us to just focus there a little bit tonight. I'm going to just take a few minutes to begin to unpack this. But I want to just draw our attention to key things that Hezekiah did in order to bring restoration and reformation into the house of Israel. The Bible says Ezekiah was, was 25 years old and he reigned 
29 years in Jerusalem. But look at what verse 2 says. He did what was right in, in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He didn't recognize his natural lineage of being a son of Ahaz. Imagine he's growing in a home where his father begins to take God's chosen people, God's anointed. Israel was considered the apple of God's eye and he brings them into idolatry and he grows up in that home but he's connected to the vision and to the word that God prophesied over David many generations before him. And the Bible says if you're going to want to if, if you're going to do good, you've got to connect to those that were connected to God. And so he begins to not connect to a natural lineage, but he connects to a spiritual lineage. Understanding that the Bible says and God's promise to David was that the, the, the scepter will not depart out of his house. And, 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 and that he will give it to his lineage. And so when Hezekiah comes on the scene, Although he grew up in a home that was corrupted. Now this is for anybody that grew up in a home where sometimes there was divorce and sometimes there was separation or there was a single parent home or there was just a dysfunctional home. You had both parents but it was dysfunctional. Sometimes you could have grown up in a home where everybody else was not saved. But when you come out of that, I want you to understand, you've got to understand that's not an excuse for what you do in the present life. You don't, you don't begin to draw to that lineage. You draw to your spiritual lineage. And that lineage is when the Bible says when Christ is revealed, we are hid in Christ. And when Christ is revealed, we will be revealed with him. And I want you to understand the moment you gave your heart to the Lord, the moment you got saved, you, you be, and asked the Lord into your heart, you begin to say, Lord, I'm of a new lineage. The Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And you begin to tap into that dimension of it. And when you tap into that, everything begins to come into alignment. So today, Hezekiah is proof. Is proof that just because my daddy made a mistake. And just because my, my, my granddad didn't believe. And my fa family is not of the, of the family of, of God. It doesn't mean I'm going to go down the same way. You've got to make a choice right now like Hezekiah made a choice. He made a choice when he came into it. He says, I'm going to do that which is right in the sight of God. I'm going to follow that and do that which David did. And begin to restore back honor to the household. I pray that you will be a generation of people that will restore back honor, glory, and the anointing back into your family, into your household. The generation before us may have made mistakes. The generation before us may have messed up. But we have been handed something that is more difficult for us to bear. But I want you to understand this today. When you come into the place of where you are able to make a difference, make a difference. The Bible says in the first year, verses 3, in the first year of his reign. In the first month, he opened the doors to the house of the Lord and repaired them. Look at what he does. There's a process that he begins to go. 
He brings the priests and the Levites. He assembles them and he gives them an instruction. He says, now go and consecrate yourselves and the house of the Lord. The God of our fathers carry out the spilt from the holy place. I want you to understand this. There is a process in which we restore order to the house of God. You've got to start with the priests and the Levites. Those that, 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 that stand in the temple. I want you to know if you want to bring change in your home. It starts with the priests in the home. It starts with those that lead the family. In the church, it starts with those that are leaders within the house. You want to correct the house, you want to restore your joy, you want to restore a, a new sense of a new fresh spirit into the house. You've got to start with the, with the leaders. And he goes to the priests and the Levites and he says, go consecrate yourself. Now I want you to understand why this is so important. These priests and Levites were alive during the reign of his father. They saw what his father did when he shut down the, the doors to the house of the Lord. And he opened and he erected other altars all over. Be careful. There are many people erecting their own altars, but shutting down the access place to the house of the Lord. Be careful. The Bible says he, he comes to them and he says, You were quiet in the time when heirs were shutting the doors to the temple. The responsibility of those that were serving in the house of the Lord was to ensure that the doors to the house of the Lord, Aaron and his sons, had a responsibility. The priesthood had a responsibility. The Levites had a responsibility to ensure that the doors of the house never was closed. Secondly, they had to ensure that the light always shone in, in, in the holy place. But they said in, in verse 7, they says, But they shut the doors to the, uh, to the vestibule, and they put out the lamps, and they didn't burn incense or offer burnt offerings in the holy place to the Lord. I pray today, even for our nation and the nations of the world, that the doors of the house of God will not be shut. Because when the doors of the house of God are shut, idolatrous spirits, rise up. I want you to understand this. The more we understand the rulings, we know, understand all the, the rules of the country, we understand the, the reasoning behind it, but something else sinister and, and some other spirits have been released in the times that the doors of the house are shut. The Bible says it was the responsibility of the priests. And the Levites. And he says first go consecrate yourself. Sometimes when you see evil prevailing. And we keep quiet. We still as equally accountable. You've known the term that they constantly use. That silence means consent. That sometimes when you are quiet. Sometimes when you keep quiet. It means you are consenting to the behavior, to the things that is happening around you. When you see evil, you have to learn how to speak up. You've got to say this. You see, the thing that didn't, that, uh, that the, the priests were not protected just because they felt they were, they were powerless 
to influence the decision of the day. We never heard in the account of Ahaz, like in Uzziah's days, the priest went and, and begged him and, and they tried to, to prevent him from going in and offering incense. But in the days of Ahaz, they didn't do any of that. They just let him do his own thing. Just because you are a king, because you carry a kingly anointing, you may be, may be great in the marketplace, you may, you, you may have great business sense, you may have accolades and, and degrees and, 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 uh, on, uh, on your name, you may have a good track record in the secular, but it does not mean because you carry a kingly anointing, you have a responsibility over that which is the, the priestly. There's something about the kings and the priests. There was an order, a responsibility for the priests. And he goes and he says to them, go and consecrate yourself. Now, consecrate yourself means set yourself apart for holy acts of holy service. There's often a, 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 there's a distinction between dedication and consecration. And sometimes I think we need to clarify. We should be consecrating ourselves. When the Bible comes in Romans and it says, present your body a living sacrifice, he's saying consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart for acts of holy service. When you are set apart for acts of holy service, you would not go and defile it. He goes back to them and he says, you've allowed yourself to be defiled. Go and consecrate yourself. So they went and they, and they, and they called a fast and they, and, and they consecrated themselves. He, said, he makes this statement. He says, this is the reason. Now it is in my heart to make a co covenant with God. That the God of Israel, may, in, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. And then he goes on and he says, my sons, do not now be negligent. For the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence. To minister to him and to be ministers and to make offerings to him. He's saying, don't take for granted this access that you have. As the New Testament church, as the priesthood of God, as this holy nation, don't take for granted this access that we have to stand in the presence of an almighty God. Don't take for granted this access that we have to the very throne room of God. The Old Testament church had to have access through the high priest. But we have access because Jesus has torn the veil in two. We've got access to the very throne room of God. And, and, and the same responsibility that was on the, the high priest of, of Israel is upon you because when you got access to something, it does not mean that the, the standards changed because the, a different person got access. If you consider yourself a part of the priesthood of God, you have to begin to present yourself consecrated before God. And he says, don't be negligent. This is the word that I want to say to you. Don't be negligent. God has chosen you to stand in his presence. Don't take for granted the fact that God has taken, has chosen you to stand in his presence. And the Bible says to offer offerings. So the first thing they have to do is consecrate themselves. So how do we restore? How do we bring reformation to a, to a church, to a, to a body of Christ, to a people of God? We first go and consecrate ourselves. Secondly, 
They are to go and consecrate the house. They are to go and clean the house of the Lord. And the Bible says, in, in, in verses 15, or verses 16, the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to clean it. And they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the, of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it out to the brook of Kedron and they began to consecrate it on the first day of the month right up until the eighth day of the month. It took them eight days to clean the house of the Lord. So, the, so they consecrated themselves. Then they cleaned the house. I want you to understand, sometimes you want to clean the house, but we don't clean ourselves first. You've got to clean yourself. Clean the house. Amen. And then he begins to say to them, now you have to begin to restore worship in the temple. After they've done that, after they've cleansed the house and they, and they cleansed the altar and the burnt offerings and the utensils and, and they restored the order that was, that was supposed to be in the temple. And it says, and all the, the utensils were restored. The Bible says, then Hezekiah comes to them and says, now restore worship. We want to bring reformation in our age and in our time. We've got to restore worship, temple worship. This is where he says you have to restore the, the worship in the temple. And, he, and this is how he goes about it. He says, firstly, you've got to bring an offering. You've got to put a, a, a sacrifice on the altar. And after you put a sacrifice on the altar, the next thing you begin to do is get the people to praise and worship. Now I want you to understand, part of your worship is bringing an offering to the Lord. Amen? I want you to understand this. Hezekiah understood that there was no access without sacrifice. And without sacrifice on the altar, there wasn't no worship that can be offered. So you have to understand that part of your worship is your giving. Part of your worship is your responding to God with your sacrifice. Amen. And, and so he begins to say offer sacrifices and after the Bible says after they offered sacrifices. Today we don't bring burnt offerings and sin offerings and we don't bring any other offerings but we uh, you know of, of, of bulls and goats and cows but we bring an offering something of financial and when we bring our offering to the Lord, we say, Lord, this is our worship unto God. Amen. When last have you seen your giving as a worship unto the Lord? Amen. We consider singing our worship. We consider praying our worship. But also giving is part of your worship. And then in verses 25, he says, And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and harps and lyres, According to the commandment of David and of Gad and the, the king's seers and Nathan the prophet. For the commandment was for, from the Lord through his prophets. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offering be offered on, on the altar. And when the burnt offering was began, 
the song of the Lord began also. The trumpets accompanied with the instruments of David, the king of Israel. And the whole assembly worshipped. The singers sang. The trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offerings were finished. Amen. Your offerings, your worship together begins to bring a different element. I want you to understand today, God is saying to us, we've got to bring a spirit of reformation into the house. But reformation starts with firstly changing us, changing our mindsets, changing our attitudes, changing the way we approach God. Because once we do that, the whole there will be a whole different perspective in which we will enter into the house of the Lord. It will be a whole different perspective that we would have as we begin to worship and as we begin to praise. As I read this portion of scripture, I said there needs to be a redefinition of why we come to church. There needs to be a redefinition of what we consider our worship to God. What do we consider our relationship to God? Today, we don't worship God asking him, you know, and, 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 and hear me here. I'm not saying that uh, God will not change us, but I want you to get to the place where you are changed before you get into his presence. Amen. You, you get to the place where there's a preparation of your heart before you even enter into the house of the Lord. That you have to understand, is your life consecrated unto God? Is it set apart for acts of holy service? Does it matter? Does it matter to you what God thinks about how you live, the choices you make, the way that you carry yourself? Does it matter? I want you to, to look at that because that's where it starts. Because if it starts there, when you come into the house of the Lord, there's that consecrated attitude. There will be that spirit of reverence. No one will have to tell you, you've got to reverence the things of God. No one will have to tell you, you've got to lift your hands and praise God. No one will have to tell you, you be, now it's time for you to worship God. No one will, will tell you how to begin to come before your God. Because consecrated lives will produce that when you come into the house of God. I pray that this post-pandemic church will be a consecrated church. Not only will the people be consecrated, but the house. And everything that is a trapping, and everything that was just geared, it has no other place but to appease the flesh, will be removed out of the house of the Lord. That will come a place where we say, let it be to the glory of the Lord. Let everything be done to the glory of the Lord. I pray that God will restore worship. You can't be a leader and not worship. That means when you worship as a leader, you worship with your, with your substance and you worship with your, with your mouth. Amen. You can't be a leader and not lift your hands. You cannot be a leader and, and, and not lift your voice to the Lord. Come on, when we're coming into the house of the Lord, the Bible says, and the whole assembly of Israel began to worship the Lord together. 
as the burnt offerings was on the altar and they began to sing, they began to worship God together. Maybe think about this. Maybe the reason that some of us struggle to worship is because our offerings are not on the altar. Maybe our struggle is that we haven't come to the place where we're presenting our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. I said to you that the post-pandemic church, the standards are higher. The requirements are greater. Because the time, God is redeeming the time. Pray, I pray to you today, uh, pray for you today, sorry, for you today. May God help us. It's not you that is alone on this journey. I'm on the journey also. Everybody is on the journey. None of us have arrived. But I want, as I speak to you, I speak to myself today. As I prepared the sermon, I said, Lord, help me to live a consecrated life. Help me to live a life that is set apart for you. Lord, make me an instrument, an instrument of worship. I lift up my hands in your name. That I may be a flute. Lord, that your breath may pass through me. Lord, make me an instrument in your hand. I pray this will be your prayer. Even as you go through the rest of the week, say, Lord, make me. Make me an instrument of worship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, I thank you that in this time, as a people, we choose to live our lives consecrated unto you. Just move on us, Lord. Move in our lives. Transform us. Shape us, mold us, make us into that which you want us to be. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Amen and amen. Amen. Have a blessed evening. Feel free to join us tomorrow evening at 7 just for a, a brief and a short devotion. I know you're going to be blessed. Amen. Just keep being built up in the Lord. Greater days are ahead of you. God bless.